Welcome to Rock Solid Ministries Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about our free revival ministry, or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. My guest today is preacher and gospel singer David Melton. Dave, I think we met back in January of 2005 in Burlington, Colorado. That's where I remember first. We were, uh, uh, when we started this ministry, we said we would do interim ministries, and we got to do one in Burlington, and then we got so busy with revivals, that was the end of it, but you and your mom and dad and your wife were all there for a weekend with us. Mm-hmm. And uh, got to got to know your dad better that weekend because we go. He and I would go out in the in the big diesel and sit there and have a Dr Pepper every night and mm-hmm. and visit. But um, we've done a number of revivals now over the years together. Dozens, probably. Yeah, probably. And I always always know it's going to be good when I'm with the Dave Melton family. And um, but I'm interested to hear about your backstory and more about your life. So, brother Dave. Tell us your story. Well, um, I guess if you're going to start with my story, you kind of have to know where I come from. Um, My uh, uh, mom and dad uh, uh, met in California years ago. Uh, Dad was uh, at Cincinnati Bible Seminary in a quartet there. And uh, they went out to, he'd been there for five years. And And your dad's name? uh, George Melton. Okay. Uh, saying uh, tenor. Anyway, he uh, was uh, uh, traveling out to California with his the group, uh, the ambassadors from Cincinnati Bible Seminary back in the uh, late 50s, early 60s, around 60 sometime there. And he uh, 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 found a, a group out there uh, called the Claiborne Brothers who wanted uh, a tenor. And so he ended up um, going out to California. And so there's where he met my mom on stage. On stage? Yes. They were both singing at a concert. Uh, and, uh, uh, and your mother's name? M- Nidra Melton. Okay. Nidra Martin then. But they met and got married. And uh, Dad sang with several quartets. But as we grew up over the years, uh, uh, my earliest years were uh, uh, mostly with my mom because my dad was always out singing somewhere. But uh, we moved a lot. I mean, I think in the first... Uh, six years of my life, we moved six times, um, uh, different places around California. Uh, Dad sang with two different quartets. Uh, when I was born in 1965, um, uh, my dad was singing with a quartet in Fresno, California, so thus I was born there. Then uh, he started a group called the Gospel Lads Quartet. And uh, we, at the time, lived in Anaheim, California, and then we moved to Whittier and lived right next door to my grandmother and granddad. Whittier, Whittier. California. Yes. Had an uncle live there. Yeah. Sure did. Yeah. Visited there several times. And uh, that was kind of, I was just getting old enough then to really have some good uh, memories of grandma and grandpa, and they were, um, we were, uh, uh, my mom was an only child, so we had grandma and grandpa all to ourselves. Oh. And uh, we moved next door, and grandpa cut a hole in the fence so we could go back and forth <laughs> between, because uh, back in California, then everybody had fenced in yards. Right. And uh, so then uh, Dad uh, was singing with the Gospel Lads Quartet in Southern California, and they met um, Cecil Todd, 
who wanted right. to use them in revival fires. And so the uh, group got together, just the men got mm-hmm. together, and decided they were all moving to Joplin, Missouri, and went home and told their wives, I'm sure. Oh, that went over big, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, went over big. Uh, my mom, having re- been born and raised in Los Angeles, uh, moved to Joplin, Missouri, uh, and I was in uh, first grade. I remember going to first grade there. How did they go over Grandma and Grandpa? Um, they were uh, they missed us yeah. uh, quite a bit, um, and uh, Mom uh, missed being uh, around her family, sure. and especially being around her friends. and And uh, Joplin, Missouri, didn't have a lot to offer back in the early '70s, as far as what she was used to, anyway. And my great my great grandmother, my mom, uh, my grandmother and granddad were from um, Fort Smith, Arkansas area, Gans, Oklahoma. My mom, same place my my family's from. Yeah, yeah. My grandmother, uh, we just uh, buried her. Just had her funeral. Ninety eight years old. Sweet lady. Three Sweet lady, weeks yeah. ago, uh, she was half Cherokee Indian, and uh, which I makes us relatives. Yes. Yeah. I uh, on her. Uh, I got to be the one to preach the sermon for her, and Mom had a lot of uh, interesting things about grandmother that she wanted me to talk about. One of them was that on her uh, birth certificate, it just says Indian. Really? <laughs> yeah. And so uh, oh. anyway, so we get our Indian heritage through her. Um, but to Grandpa uh, uh, met her, just to relate one of the stories, he, uh, he had a friend who was meeting with a, uh, a girl there in Gans, Oklahoma. Uh, they were like um, 16, 17, the girls were. I think my grandpa might have been 18 at the time or 17. But uh, he says, you want to go meet a, a friend of my girlfriend's? She's a little Indian girl in Gans. And, and grandpa said, okay. And so he, it was Valentine's Day, so he bought a box of chocolates. And he says, if I like her, I'll give her the chocolates. If I don't like her, I'll take it home and eat it myself. <laughs> Well, that uh, very same box was sitting on the casket three weeks ago when Grandpa... Really? Yes. He liked... uh, He obviously gave her the box of chocolates. Yeah. emerged 72 years. Um, Wow. What a story. Yeah. And she's got some... She uh, uh, has uh, some uh, beautiful stories throughout her life. Obviously, we're not uh, here to talk about Grandma, but... uh, No, just talk about your family. Uh, Talk about... A lot of good history with your family. Yeah. Sure. But anyway, we uh, ended up moving to Joplin, Missouri, and Dad sang with the Gospel Lads. Um, to tell you the truth, we lived there about two years in Joplin, Missouri, and I do not have one memory of my dad in Joplin. I have memories of him singing with the Gospel Lads, and I have memories of, we actually did a, a uh, uh, they were at a crusade, one of Cecil Todd's crusade, and they were going to bring out uh, they were going to bring the lads out, and then they were going to bring all the sons out mm-hmm. to uh, to have stand next to Dad when we sang. And I remember one of them, uh, uh, one of the one of the sons of the gospel lads, uh, was so scared he wouldn't go out there. I can't remember which one it was now, and so none of us got to go. Oh. <laughs> I was disappointed that night. But anyway, we uh, uh, Dad. Uh, um, it was kind of a thing for the family. He had four children at home, and um, I have an older sister, and then a set of twin brother and sister, uh, Rachel and Kenny, and then Rhonda is my older sister. And we were all there in Joplin um, and with Mom, and we did go down and spend time with 
in Gans with my great grandmother quite a bit. But uh, Dad decided that it was time to uh, move the family somewhere uh, where he could spend time with us. And so uh, his brother, Dad grew up in southern Illinois in Flora, but his brother had moved up in the Peoria area, Peoria, Illinois area, and has started a commercial disposal business. So Dad went into business with his brother, um, and uh, so he went from singing with the gospel ads to uh, driving a garbage truck. And he did that for many years. As a matter of fact, um, when I was, I've always been um, tall and uh, kind of broad for my age. And as when I turned 13, I was um, almost six foot tall at the time, and Dad uh, needed someone to help him pitch garbage, so I ended up going to work with Dad. So I spent a lot of time with my dad um, singing, of course, because we always sang, but then also in the truck. And then when did how old were you when you actually started singing with your dad? Well, at, we always sang uh, when Mom and Dad when we moved to Peoria. Um, for the first year or so, Dad um, was, uh, we were at Creekcore Christian Church. It was the church, and he kind of took the job as associate youth minister there for a while. It wasn't an uh, official job, but we did live in the parsonage next door. Um, the, uh, uh, and a gentleman named David Beavis was our preacher. Uh, he was from Australia. And we uh, got to know his family very well. I'm still close friends with them. But uh, uh, now, what was the question that we asked? Because I've got when, when that's okay. <laughs> when you uh, when you how old were you when you started oh, singing yes, with your yes, dad? Oh yes, yes, uh, But but dad didn't sing much. And we had a friend of ours who was a state police officer, Larry Combite, invited mom and dad to sing for a. Uh, ladies, not a ladies retreat, but a Valentine's banquet, and he wanted them to sing. And, and Dad looked at, looked at him and said, well, I don't sing with girls, you know. Especially if you're a tenor, you don't want to sing with girls because, you know. Yeah. But And he was a first tenor. Anyway, so they, okay. yes, and so they started, they did that and started, that's where the family group started. And so all of us, all our lives, no matter what we're doing, our common bond in our family was our music ministry. I mean, even mm -hmm. when we Went off to do other things, went to college here or there, went to school, had jobs. Um, I had the normal kids' jobs that you would have outside yeah. of working with my dad in the garbage company. I also worked at McDonald's for quite a while and, and did some other just normal kids' stuff. Um, but uh, we started singing as a family at that point. Uh, we really did not get serious about singing as a family, even though we did a lot of revivals and things, but until... About the mid-80s when I was, I graduated from high school, went to all my school ages except for first grade. I went in Peoria, East Peoria area. And uh, when I graduated, I went to Lincoln Christian College for a year. In Lincoln? In Lincoln, Illinois. Illinois, yes. yeah. And uh, I ended up, um, even though we were singing with the family off and on too, but, but uh, ended up singing with my sister and her husband in a group. Uh, who did a lot of camps during the summer in groups, and uh, they were with a group called Operation Evangelize, which is out of Ohio. And I sang with them for a year after college. Um, and then I went home, you know, that, uh, that kind of played itself out at the time, and I went home, and I was home for a few months, just 
little, just kind of wandering a little bit because uh, the business I was, uh, dad had uh, sold his business and then he was preaching full time uh, at uh, Germantown Hills Christian Church. And then, uh, so I was, uh, I think I was working at an alternator rebuild shop. I was just doing what I could do, just uh, make a living. And I had a friend who was going to uh, ride his motorcycle out to Arizona with his mom and dad lived out there. And he was going to ride out there. And for the job, for the summer, he had a job lined up with the state. Um, and I can't remember what the job was now, but I thought that was the most fun adventure that you could think of at hmm. 20 years old. Sure. And I had a motorcycle. So we hopped on our motorcycles and followed his mom and dad all the way to Arizona. Uh, mine made it three-fourths of the way. My motorcycle did anyway. It uh, had a problem, so his we rented a trailer and put it on the trailer. And his dad pulled it, and then we just switched off on the other um, motorcycle uh, riding along. And uh, ended up spending the summer in Arizona. And it was... We started out in Bullhead City, Arizona, is where his dad was. Uh, We've he, talked about that. We've, we hold revivals in Bullhead, yeah. and a really fine church at Bullhead City with Malcolm Oberly. And he's, uh, he's on a podcast. Look him up. I don't have the number, folks, but mm -hmm. he's on a podcast. Yeah. But I spent the summer in Bullhead City, and then in, uh, late, late that summer they got transferred to Tucson. But I'm telling you, a uh, Midwest boy who spent his whole life in in Illinois, mostly, my older life anyway, uh, I, Bullhead Seas, heat is just oppressive. I mean, it's one of the hottest, <laughs> yes. hottest cities in the United States. Yep. It was, I worked uh, for BF Goodrich while I was there changing tires out, and it was 120 degrees in the shop. Yeah. And uh, I, and so I finally, I worked there for six weeks, I think, and I just couldn't take the heat myself. Mm. I mean, maybe if I had a, been there longer or something or started out in the winter and worked my way to that heat. right but going from illinois to there and so i ended up going back to, and getting a job at mcdonald's there at least it was air conditioned <laughs> and i worked there until we until his family got transferred to tucson so we just followed him up there and in tucson i worked at mcdonald's again and i was there i was really kind of floundering around you know um uh, i know that uh Mom and dad were doing things back in Illinois, and uh, I really didn't know where I was going to land, and I got a call one day. It was mom, and she said, Dave, she says, uh, we've decided to uh, go full-time singing. Uh, would you want to come with us and help us do that? And I, I couldn't say yes fast enough. I, <laughs> I sold my motorcycle and, uh, and paid back the, the family the little bit of money I owed them for you know, all the, all the uh, good things that they'd helped me out with over the summer. So I gave him that money and I hopped a plane on Frontier Airlines, I remember that, and headed <laughs> back to Illinois. And from there, we uh, um, started to uh, start our full-time singing ministry as the Meltons. And that was, I think, in 1988 or 89. Um, we, it took us three years or so to get to where we had enough dates to where we could just rely on that for full time. Um, but anyway, I uh, kind of worked worked around and did odd jobs and things like that, drove a truck since my um, we had the commercial disposal company. That's how I kind of cut my teeth on driving. I drove right. my own route and stuff. 
So I ended up uh, driving trucks and, and part-time and doing things like that until we got to going full-time. For in, uh, and then, uh, boy, I've kissed not and never. I've really never looked back. Well, you, uh, music uh, has been uh, the ministry of music has has been always the default. That's my goal. Life goal is to is to uh, and my way of spreading the gospel and and uh, telling the story of Jesus. And you do it well. And uh, I enjoyed. I, of course, I worked with your parents with various members of your siblings, you know, various siblings. So I, I've had an experience, you know, just about all the way around. Plus I've worked with Kenny and Rhonda at separate times mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and, and individually and together and, and, uh, and with Rhonda's husband, Tom, and, and uh, always am blessed by being with your family. And your dad, as I've told, anybody who knows me knows I've said your dad was my mentor for traveling ministry because that uh, it was six months into our ministry when we met all of you. And uh, your dad didn't remember that I, he had actually sung one night of revival with me in Deering, Kansas. And Kenny was with him then. Mm -hmm. And they were doing the singing and I was in the preaching. They had a different group every night. And uh, your dad and family were there. And uh, I was very impressed with hearing them sing. I don't think they were that impressed with me. I was pretty young, and, and uh, he didn't remember having met me. Uh, but the preacher that was there at the time was Greg Strickland. Okay. And a very young Greg Strickland, who is now my partner in this ministry. And so uh, my memory of your family goes back further than their memory goes back of me. But uh, I'd heard of them for years and knew of the traveling ministry. And, of course, the lads... Uh, we had later editions of the lads uh, at our church out in Colorado came out and sang. And, yeah. and, uh, but, so you, we've, we've talked a lot of times to what we call PKs, preacher's kids. You were an SK, a singer's kid, but also yeah. a preacher's kid because your dad yeah. preached as well. Um, so how old were you when you decided that you were going to follow in your parents' footsteps as they followed in Christ's footsteps? Well, first of all, you kind of have to go back to the beginning of my spiritual life. Right. Um, I was raised in a, a Christian family by two beautiful Christian people. My mom's still doing very well. Uh, she uh, has been, she's remarried and living in Franklin, Indiana. And uh, she's, uh, she turned uh, 79 this year. So, wow. you know, but. Uh, and your dad, how, uh, he passed away how many years 13 ago? 13 years ago. Thirteen. Yeah. Beth and I were talking about that this morning, and and uh, we had done a couple of revivals with him and your mom and Kenny mm -hmm. that spring, and it was just a, about a month or so before he got really sick. Uh, yeah, we were well, down in fast when they we were down in, in Dequeen, Arkansas, yep. and the only time I was ever down there for a revival, and and uh, then they took off and they were in West Virginia, and that's when when he had to go home. Yeah, and uh, for thirteen years. Wow. I'm sorry, I interrupted you. You're talking about going back to the beginning of your spiritual life, being well, raised. Yeah, um, of course, I always believed in Jesus. I can't remember a time uh, when I didn't uh, believe in Jesus. Um, I remember once as a, as a kid, I thought, I just want to see what the other side feels like. And so for today, for just today only, I think I'm going to not believe in Jesus. I mean, there must have been like six or seven or eight, something like that. And I lasted about 10 seconds for the despair. 
just overwhelmed me. Yeah. And so, no, I've, I've always, uh, always had faith in, in God and Jesus and uh, uh, hopefully been a faithful father, follower, follower of Christ, obviously. But um, you, you mentioned, I've heard you mention in the past about the day you died. Yeah. And uh, that, that day would have been uh, um, when I was eight years old. Uh, at my church, where I go to Westport Christian Church, they have uh, a lot of them have uh, T-shirts. It has Westport Christian Church on the back, and on the front it says, "Let me tell you about the day I died." Really, what yes. a great idea! That yeah. kind of goes with what I was talking about in the sermon last yeah. night. Yeah. And so, uh, anyway, but the day I died, uh, I, I truly remember I was sitting in junior church. I believed. I've always believed, and uh, I had had no doubt. But I was just a little timid, and I just was a little timid on getting uh, on stepping out. You know? Hard for me to think of you as being timid. And, uh, well, and you know, <laughs> but we had uh, the the lady who run, who was uh, the uh, over us in junior church was named Betty Watland, Creefcore Christian Church. And Betty, at uh, one time, and I think I remember. I may, if you if you know better, if you've ever met Betty, you'd remember. But. I think what happened was when she was younger, she was in a car accident and it affected her voice. And so she talked like this. And I remember sitting in the pew there in junior church, a crew core Christian church, and Betty Waltland coming up to me and looking at me and she said, David, don't you think it's time that you got baptized? And uh, I just looked at her and said, yes, Betty, yes, Betty. (laughs) And uh, she was right. The Lord knew that uh, I just needed a little kick in the hind end there. Yeah. And it took took a little lady, Betty Walton, who was uh, probably in her 70s at the time, to come up and to to do the kicking. And uh, Amazing what God does through those those quiet servants. And I was young, but uh, I had no doubt, and so... She took me to my dad, and we sat down, of course, and talked talked things over. And he was pleased to see me come, and and uh, we uh, I went uh, and was bab- dad baptized me that day, and so that was the day I died, and yeah. I was reborn into his family, and so I've been uh, doing my best ever since, and I, I you know sometimes my best. Is not good enough, and that's why I need the grace of God on my side, and that's why I, I um, I'm so happy and so pleased that, that Jesus loved me enough to overlook my faults and uh, and uh, and see my needs. I guess you would say. Right. But um, anyway, I uh, uh, I never did go through that big rebellious phase that some kids go through. Um, I thought. Uh, out of right, like say, out of high school, I went. To, I did go to Bible college for a year, and uh, at the time, I had no intentions. Didn't even cross my mind to to uh, to study anything that has to do with preaching when I went to Bible college. Right. Uh, I did take the class, the uh, uh, Bible classes that were required of me to take that year, and I took mostly music. You know, I was sure music was the thing, and so uh, and. Uh, I did with mom and dad. I had a, we uh, started singing in 1988, and I think in 1990 or 91, uh, we were singing pretty much full time. And my brother Kenny had joined the group, and my I had a brother who was born in 80, 1980, so he was 10 or 11 at the time. Andy's his name, 
And he, uh, so it was mom and dad and the three boys, the three sons. And we sang anywhere that, uh, anywhere we, the Lord allowed. We went out to California a lot because we yeah. had family out there. And, but uh, we were doing a uh, revival in uh, Bramer, Missouri. And uh, the preacher's name is Dennis Wistrom. I just saw him week before last. We sang at the church he attends. And he came up. But uh, Dennis was preaching there, and he came up to Dad, me, and Kenny. And he says, George, you're, I want you to preach uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night. And looked at me, and Dave, I want you to preach on Monday. And, and Kenny, I want you to preach on Tuesday. And Kenny and I looked at each other and shook our heads and said, yeah, we don't <laughs> preach. And uh, Dennis, I remember, remember him saying it just as plain as day. He says, he looked at us and he looked at us. He says, well, you do now. <laughs> I knew that's what he was going to say. Yeah, you do now. Yeah. How old were you and Kenny about that time? Oh, I was in my early mid-20s, I guess you would say. Um, you know, you got thrown into preaching the same way I did. You know, I was just, it was just announced to the church in two weeks I was going to yeah. preach. Well, and, and I thought, I don't, I don't even talk in front of people and... and and I didn't, I didn't dare question the man who said I was going to preach because he was one powerful evangelist. But he just said the same thing, well, you do now. Yeah. You know, and just threw, threw us into the water and said, swim. That's right. I got thrown into the deep end. Um, of course, that, I, had some Bible, I had some Bible background yeah. along with, uh, 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 with the college, obviously, but uh, being raised as a Christian in the church, all the Sunday school classes, you, you know, you draw on everything when you're sure. When you're, when you're writing sermons and creating things like that. And so uh, um, I remember, of course, this is, this is a couple weeks ahead of time, so he did give us a little bit of time to get it figured out. Um, but uh, I just said, well, probably the most beloved verse in the New Testament anyway is John 3.16. So I wrote my sermon on uh, John 3.16 and, and uh, did that. But I really, really found a, a love for preaching at that. I mean, to me, it was a... It was a song that lasted 30 minutes. Uh, I know, like that. Because you yeah. could, uh, you know, if you think about it, a song has the, as a title, has a main, main the, the, the chorus is the main theme, and it has four, usually three or four sub points. points. <laughs> right. And a lot of songs make great sermons. Yeah, they uh, do. They do. Because you got your, all your stuff right there. Mm -hmm. and, and so I started preaching at that time. Now, Kenny did preach some, too. Now, he didn't preach as much as I do, and he, uh, I don't know if he, he more concentrated on the, the music side of things. Um, but I loved, I found it, I loved to preach. And so um, as I started uh, um, getting more comfortable in the pulpit and uh, studying more and, and uh, kind of honing the, the little bit of craft that I had with that, um, I started preaching more for dad, like I'd preach one night of the revival and, and then I got to preach in two nights of the revival. And then by the, by the time that I had, uh, uh, left mom and dad to go preach full time, I was preaching, you know, half the time or more than that. And dad enjoyed that cause he, he enjoyed the, um, he just was proud of his kids, all of his kids. And sure. so he always pushed us, uh, uh, he would always push one of us forward. Um, if someone wanted something, you know, that he could do easily. Right. But we could, 
you know, we could fill that spot. He'd always push us forward and encourage us. Uh, he was he was really good that way, and uh, that's something I'm striving to do with my own children. Uh, Kyle now is in Bible college, and he's right. starting to preach. I talked to him last and, night about uh, his plans. In the last revival we did, I handed one night over to Kyle. And so oh, really? He uh, did a good job. And so um, we're going to uh, kind of work that same thing, and I pray that, that as he... matures in in his christian walk and as a as a preacher and a minister that uh, hopefully he'll look fondly on on his younger years like i do on like i do about mine i was thinking this week that in another year i want to sit down with kyle uh although he's young uh just uh just last week on, on this podcast we had robert uh sullivan, yeah. sullivan and he's just 20 but but uh, maybe we don't have a whole hour's worth on someone that age, but there's a lot that they have to say because of the way they were raised and, and stories. And I thought give Kyle another year to get a little more preaching, and I'd like to like to sit down with him and, and uh, when he's ready and talk with him. But I was encouraged by his enthusiasm last night as we sat down at the fellowship meal, and, and, uh, and I just questioned about what he was going to do. And, and his enthusiasm... Not for this is what I'm going to do, but his, his enthusiasm for I'm preparing for whatever God has me to do. That's why I'm going to to uh, Bible college, uh, college, a good training, a very good training school, and and I just want to be open to what God has me to do, whether it's music or preaching or both or whatever. Yeah. So you were uh, well, we ought to get down, but you're married, got kids, of course. I, oh yeah. How, oh, how yeah. do you find this wonderful wife you've got? Um. We'll be talking with her soon, too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I better, um, better let her listen to this so she can uh, correct everyone. That'll be, that'll be good. We'll, ha we'll have her on in a week or but, two. Um, yeah. But, well, I, I really, we, I, I spent the, my, my, all my 20s with mom and dad singing. We moved several times. We, we moved to in Kansas City, Missouri to go with an organization that uh, out of Kansas City called Christian Restoration Ministries. It was a... Basically, they were uh, they had several groups. The Gospel Lads was one of them. We were one of them. My sister and there was uh, two or three other groups there that we kind of consolidated our uh, office and all that kind of stuff. And, right. And uh, uh, so we stayed with that for about a year and a half. Um, it turns out that uh, the other groups, all except for us and my sister Rachel, all. Um, that's when the lads finally, the full-time group of the lads finally decided to uh, call it quits. And so we ended up moving down to Camdenton, Missouri. Uh, back then, uh, the uh, lake property was really cheap at the time. And so we, my dad, mom and dad bought a house on the Lake of the Ozarks. And we, we traveled out of there. And we traveled from there and went to a church there. And we had an old bus um, an illegal bus that we traveled in. But you couldn't get the bus near the house because it was like the road going down, it was vertical. <clears throat> and uh, which was kind of inconvenient, but we found out later on that during the winter, <laughs> uh, you couldn't hardly get to the house at all because of the snow and uh -huh. not too many people lived there. And so uh, we ended up moving back to Joplin, Missouri. Mom and dad bought, um, we actually bought Ken Eidelman's. I home. remember when you yeah, did that, yeah. They moved to a new home. Uh, he had it uh, for sale, 
and mom and dad bought it. And so uh, uh, we lived there. Mom and mom and dad lived at that house uh, up until maybe six years ago, maybe seven years ago. Mom lived there like four or five years after dad passed away. Um, and now she's, of course, she remarried and moved to uh, Franklin, Indiana. And that's close to where we live now. Um, for, we live 40 miles south of there. But, um, but that, but we'd say, oh, you're talking about how I got with Krista. We sang, uh, we were singing, I was 30 years old maybe. And uh, we sang at a gospel sing in Missouri Valley, Iowa. And uh, there were several groups there, probably a dozen or so groups. Well, Krista uh, was, uh, she was uh, in college at the time, but she was one, a soloist that was singing one of those spots. And it just so happened that our table was set up next to her table. And uh, a display table. Display yeah, table, yeah. yeah. And, and normally, uh, normally I'd be out, you know, listening to the music or out among the people. And But for some reason, I felt the urge to spend a lot of time at the table <laughs> that weekend. And anyway, we got to talking. And she's a little younger than I am. Um, she uh, She's uh, actually 13 years younger than I am. And uh, so I, even though... Um, we, we talked a lot. I, I was pretty sure that her mom and dad would not be uh, up for uh, having a, someone a little older than her call on her. But um, We sang there, and about two weeks later, we sang near there, and her mom and dad and her and a friend showed up to our concert. And afterwards... Uh, my dad was talking to her dad, and, and my dad, George, says to Ken, who's my father-in-law now, he says, Ken, he says, uh, I, I sure wish my son was just a little bit younger for your daughter. He says, they seem to get along so well. And Ken says, well, I don't think that doesn't bother us. He says, uh, Krista, Krista, you know, enjoys talking to David. And so dad told me that that night, and I remember we were at the North American Christian Convention in Kansas City. And uh, I uh, moseyed on over to a phone <laughs> booth there and, and uh, give her a call. And we set up a time to go, you know, go out and have dinner and stuff. And, and you know, the rest is history. She was going to uh, Grace University, which is a Christian college there in Omaha. Um, who, it's no longer there, along with most of our Christian colleges around now. Right. But um, she, uh, so we dated for... A year and a half, and uh, we're engaged for six months, I think. And, then, and she, uh, we got married, and, and it's been a, it's been great. <laughs> you and know, how I mean, many year, how many years now? Uh, we've been married uh, coming up on twenty four years next month. Twenty four years. We have five beautiful children. Mm -hmm. uh, Trevin is twenty one. He's in college. Uh, he's a senior in college. Is he a senior already? He's a senior, that's right. My goodness. And he works full-time to help pay for it. Um, he lives just uh, 12 miles from us in Seymour, Indiana. What is it, do you know what he plans to do when he gets out? Well, he's getting a degree in software development and web development. and so uh, I can see I, Trevin doing that, yeah. And he works at Walmart. And uh, I know at least one Walmart HR person has said that 
they do hire a lot of people to do web design and sure. their website. But I don't know if that's the direction he's going to go. But uh, um, but you know when he when he finally gets a job, uh, uh, most likely it'll be an online deal. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that he sticks close to home like any parent would. Sure. Uh, so we can see him. Uh, he uh, as yet he's so concentrated on school and stuff. He hasn't had any other uh, relationships as far as. Uh, uh, future prospect wives or anything right. going on, but uh, hopefully that'll be something he uh, uh, has in his future. But Kyle, like I say, he's uh, 19 years old and a freshman at Summit Theological Seminary, and he's he's traveling with us. Um, Terry Carter, who's the president over there, has been very accommodating. He says, "Well, when he can, when he can come and attend classes physically, he can go." Uh, but if he can't, because of being on the road, he can do them online. And so that's been working very well so far. And Summit, everything about Summit is real good. Uh, our brother Greg met the president of Summit, and his name is... Uh, Terry Carter. Yeah. Terry Carter. He was down helping, uh, well, actually leading a uh, camp that we were learning about. Our Greg was, I couldn't be there, on training young men to preach down in Mississippi this last year. And uh, Greg really enjoyed his time with him. And... Uh, and I, I think that's great that he can do the online thing and be with you. And I know you want him to be with you. And and uh, he certainly adds plenty to the singing and uh, uh, gets out there. I mean, he's he he, I, he may be shy personally. I don't know, but he doesn't seem shy when he gets up to sing. No, uh, that's his that's his thing. He's com- very comfortable with it. At least looks that way. If he's not, and and uh, uh, and your other kids are. Uh, uh, it's hard for me to think because. Uh, Kyle, well, a couple of your kids, not the twins. Twins weren't born yet, but when they were very small, we were in a revival with you and, and uh, Krista and your parents in Macon, Ohio, or somewhere like that. It was a uh, church had been through some difficulties and had a beautiful building, big building, fairly modern building, but a small group. Mm-hmm. And uh, Beth, before we were doing PowerPoints in our, all of our revivals, Beth took the kids and she babysat them during the revival, mm-hmm. and she just absolutely loved them. Now they're they're out of college. I mean, they're are they yeah. either in or out of college, and it's just amazing that we've known each other that long. Yeah, yeah. Well, Katie, the, the oldest daughter, is she's a junior-ish senior in college. She's homeschooled, so some subjects she's ahead of others, but she's hoping to get it done sooner than later. But she's doing very mm-hmm. well. And then, of course, uh, I uh, was going to get to the part where we, uh, uh, when we'd had the first, the three, first three kids, and uh, we'd been traveling and singing, and I'd been doing a lot of preaching, but I really felt that the Lord was leading me at the time, and and uh, to see some of these uh, relationships through. I built a lot of relationships out on the road. But they were just three to four or five days, just kind of like what you all do now. Right. And um, I had never been in a located ministry where I could see some of those through, where you guys, on the other hand, were the other way around. The other way around, sure. And so I really felt the urge, the the Lord's calling me to a located ministry. And so um, I, we kind of, my brother Kenny at the time was willing to come take our place in the group. And Krista and I uh, took a ministry in Ravenwood, Missouri, which is just uh, 
100 miles north of Kansas City. And uh, I'll tell you, the Lord could not have led me to a finer bunch of people. Uh, the church it was a church was very encouraging to us. The uh, the elders were um, um, they were uh, men men of God, of course, but they also uh, I had never been in a located ministry, and they they sort of helped me along. Mentored those, you. Mentored and, me those first. Yeah. First year or two, especially uh, one in particular, R.Z. Boswell, what's his name, uh, well, kind of took me under his wing, yeah. and and uh, he took me to meet just about everybody. And well, the town had four hundred and forty people in it, <laughs> and and uh, he took me just about to every home in town and everybody who had ever been at the church or ever, and all the people, of course, that were that first year and a half. We just visited everybody and had a uh, had a great time getting to know those people and see that through. And I was there almost five years. Um, and, uh, and the Boswells, I, 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 another connection we have, uh, R.C.'s son, Ken, Ken Boswell, Boswell yeah. was our good friend and encourager and supporter when we were doing new church work in Colorado. He was in Holyoke, okay. about 50 miles from us when we were starting new church work out there. So uh, we've known him since I was in my early 20s. Yeah, and, Ken... Um, That's a long time. And then Wayne, his brother. Yeah. Uh, yep. Wayne was one of my elders. And, uh, I met Wayne. We did a revival there yeah. many years ago. I can't remember how many, but a long time ago. And, yeah. But yeah. there was a great church, and uh, um, we're still very close to the church. Um, we, uh, we were, uh, we'd go back a couple times a year and sing for them, and they've just been encouraging, very encouraging to us. Um, we would still live there if it wasn't so far out on the one corner where we sing. Right. Um, I love living in Indiana and close to my mom, of course. But uh, Ravenwood is still, uh, for me, out of my adult life, that's the, I mean, I can still go to Ravenwood today and, and uh, know everybody, everybody in church except for just a few new ones that has come over in the last few years. But uh, I just, the, uh, it's home and it's still out of any place in the world or any place in the nation right now that that's probably the place I feel most at home and um, you know one of these days maybe we'll we'll spend some more time there but uh, but right now we're loving where we live we bought a house near um, Jonesville Missouri or Indiana I'm stuck in Missouri now yeah. <laughs> we bought a house near Jonesville here about five years ago in a nice little community we have good neighbors and people that watch after our things and we're gone because we're gone an awful lot. Um, but uh, well, what, what prompted you to go back into traveling? Well, while I was at Ravenwood, two, three major things happened outside of the church. Um, one is we, uh, we had uh, a set of twins. Right. We were there. Macy and Gracie are identical twin girls. They're 12 years old now. Um, Chris also went through some major health difficulties while we were there. I remember that. We uh, prayed a lot for her. She had a sarcoma. Technically, it was called a myxoid liposarcoma. It was in her leg, but if if you didn't catch those in time, they went to the lungs, and then it was uh, uh, very, very, very serious. And so uh, the Lord's, there were many situations, uh, different things that could have happened or couldn't have, didn't, to get her healthy 
um, you know, decisions doctors could have made that could have made things go wrong, but they mm-hmm. made the right decisions. So we really appreciate all the people there. And the church was just, you know, when the church found out, uh, we had, she came up with this cancer while she was pregnant with the girls. And so uh, those ladies fed us for six months at the church. Wow. And when Krista was having to take her treatments, radiation treatments and other things, uh, um, we were, I'm, Krista was, we sat down and okay, now how can we schedule all this in? Who's going to watch the babies while we do this and all that? And while well, my niece called up and says, well, I'm going to come spend three or four months with you. And Elisa is her name. So she came up and spent that three months with us. Um, and the ladies, the church called up and said, well, we've arranged transportation to all her treatments. So you, uh, so you can either watch the kids or do your job or do, you know, stuff. So, oh, so what a great uh, they, church. They, the what church just took care of, they're, they're just, they were our It was family. the church being the church, wasn't it? Church being a church. That's right. And so, um, as, as rough a time as that was, uh, for Krista and myself, um, People were just so good to us during that. And the Lord blessed us. And uh, she's now going on uh, 11, 12 years of cancer-free. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I guess about, the girls are 12, so it'd be about 11 years because it took about a year to get all that through. So, Praise and Lord. anyway, but right in the middle of Christmas treatments is when I got the call from mom. Said, your dad is not well. And you need if you and you need to come home uh, and uh, spend some time with him. So, so right in the middle of that is when I uh, the church said, "Well, we'll take care of everything. Don't worry about it. You just go see your dad." And mm. so I went down and uh, spent. Uh, he had uh, stage four melanoma, which had gone in, and uh, my one of my I have a I like I say I have four brothers and sisters, but I have an adopted brother. Not officially adopted, but he just, when Rachel was in college, his name's Danny Mullins. When he was, when Rachel was in college, he came home with her uh, just as a friend to our Christmas once. And he's been there to every Christmas and every Thanksgiving that our family's been had since. (laughs) I mean, his family is part of our family. Right. And he, but he is a hospice chaplain. And uh, he, he took us aside and said, you know. I've seen this many times. He says, "You spend this week with your dad because the he's got if if from my experience he has about three or four weeks left. The first week he'll be himself. The second week he'll be pleasant to be around, but he'll be confused. And the third week he'll be comatose, and then he'll pass away on the third or fourth week. And that's exactly what happened. Hmm. So we got that time to spend with him on that. They brought him home, and we got that." First week to spend with him where he was uh, pretty much kind of getting things arranged and, and reminiscing and having good time with dad. And the second week, he was very pleasant to be around. He was smiling and happy, but he was very confused. Right. And the third week, we were just kind of waiting. And uh, he, his, his, his little dog, Diesel, yeah. woke mm-hmm. us up about 2 o'clock in the morning and uh, let everybody know that it was time to gather around dad. And so wow. the whole family was sitting around dad's table or dad's bed. Mom was in there the whole time, but the, but Diesel alerted her that dad was, uh, I mean, 
anyway, I, saw, I don't know how the, the Lord gives us those little creatures to help us out, but Diesel knew. Diesel was a little black wiener little dog. Little black wiener dog, yeah, yeah. a little dachshund. Uh, Diesel was the right name for him. Too. Yeah. And uh, we were all standing around singing, praising the Lord when he passed into glory. Mm. I guess every man should uh, uh, have the privilege to have his family. Wow. Around. But uh, anyway, he went to be with Jesus. And then, uh, but after that, uh, even though I still enjoyed the church and was um, preaching and all that, I, my, my focus kind of started to change at that point. And about a year and a half later, uh, we decided to go back into full-time singing. Uh, Chris and I and uh, my five children at the time and, uh, and that's been 10 years ago uh, the first year we lived in Ravenwood uh, we just got a rental house in Ravenwood and then uh, we decided that well our rental house uh, the gentleman who owned it couldn't uh, need to do some major renovations on it so he asked us if we could uh, find some other place well, there wasn't anything. I mean, it was like God wanted us to leave. We tried to buy a place. We couldn't. We tried to, we tried to rent a couple places in that community. I mean, if we're going to move two or three towns over, we might as well move here. Sure. Move to Indiana. And it's so, hard in town of 400 yeah. to find a place to rent or, or buy yeah. either way. Yeah. And uh, so nothing was available. And so we uh, started looking either we thought Omaha because our family's up there. Uh, Joplin, where I still had family, mom was there, um, and then mom ended up moving up here with her husband, and so uh, we met a, a good old uh, friend named Randy Records who uh, came up to us and he says, "My mom and dad, uh, my mom just passed away, and they have her old farmhouse. He says it's just an old farmhouse, but if you want to rent it, we'll rent it to you for what you're paying for where you're at now, which." Is a good deal because rent was a lot higher right. direction than out there. So that's what we did for almost five years. We lived there, and uh, we uh, ended up buying a home, like you say, down in uh, in another old farmhouse. So it, yeah, it's just it's we I guess we just like old farmhouses, but uh, it's a beautiful old farmhouse. Needs a lot of fixing up, but well, Southern Indiana has beautiful old farmhouses. Yeah, you know, yeah. We were discussing the other way over here. This morning, I said, I just, I love Southern Indiana. Southern and Central Indiana just beautiful. Of course, that's easy to say in the fall of the year because it is so beautiful in this state at that time. But, but uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm getting too old to be thinking about moving somewhere else, though, I think, you know, unless it's near one of my kids. Yeah. But uh, I, I was thinking way out here, I wish I'd have discovered this, this place when I was a young preacher. I think I would have liked it. But, the, but traveling and ministry, you know how this is. I found a lot of places I wish I'd have discovered when I was a young preacher because <laughs> mm -hmm. I think I would have really enjoyed working with the people in this area and, and, uh, or this state. But, uh, so you're happy to be back doing what you're doing. Yeah. And, uh, I know that, uh, you were mentioning that you want to talk with both Krista and I here in the future about our ministry as it is now. And, right. So, and, uh, we'd love to do that. Um, but I'd just like to, to, uh, no, the Lord's seen us through, even through all this COVID mess. Um, we, uh, he took care of us. I never, you know, when, boy, when everything, when everything shut down, you know, we, I'd uh, cancel six months worth of dates. Wow. And uh, we had a little money coming in from some, a couple, couple churches and some individuals who were blessing us that way. But um, uh, like I say, I drove a truck when I was younger, 
And I always kept that CDL, always kept it, thinking someday I may need it. Right. And so when I had to cancel that six months worth of dates, I called a friend up who worked for a company, and he got me in there. And So for that six months, I drove a truck, and then then the singing started picking up a little bit, so I drove a little part-time. And then uh, about a year and a half after that, we uh, were back to full-time again, and the Lord took care of us the whole time. Uh, he And so... Uh, Everything, uh, everything's been working out well. So. Well, I, as, as you said, I, I, I want to know more about the ministry you're doing today, but I, I want to do something I've not done before, and I, I want to interview you and Krista together. After I, we have our interview with Krista in the next week or two, I want to interview you and uh, just talk about your life on the road and what you do and how that's done. And, and I think that's something that will probably be on our podcast uh, in probably the first of the year is when that will come out because we usually end these podcasts uh, the end of October and then pick up again in January. But um, we have another revival together after this one. Mm-hmm. We're, we're together this week here at, at Vincent Christian Church in Otwell, Indiana, a church that we both come to love mm-hmm. over the years. And we'll be together in Radcliffe, Kentucky yep. uh, the first week of November. Yes. And and that'll be my last revival for the year. Then I'll do a little bit of supply preaching. And then I've got a three-month preaching sabbatical that our ministry supplies us with. We're still working for the ministry. We just don't preach unless it's an emergency. So we have an opportunity to, to write, get some things caught up at home. You know, a lot of things go uh, in, in a three-year period between these sabbaticals. A lot of things need to be attention. And uh, we get some new sermons written. And we also something that we need very badly, we sit and listen to other people, let them preach to us mm-hmm. because we need to be preached to and that's uh, pretty rare for for us and you know what that's like. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll look forward to those times. If someone wants to get in touch with you about a revival or um, or a concert, how, how could they do that? Well, there are several ways. Um, we, uh, Just give them all. We got a few minutes. We've got, uh, <laughs> you know, all the normal ways, uh, phone number, Right. Uh, which is 660-853-0260. And you can call or text me on that number and we'll get back to you. Uh, we also have a website, uh, com. I think com will get you the same place. Um, if you just put Melton Family Singers in, you'll get my, you'll get our family's website um, with, has my parents or my, my mom and brother and sister on there and I, but you just click on our picture on that, and it takes you over to ours. All right. And uh, then there's places in there, Book Now page and all that, uh, all the information. And, of course, we're on Facebook and other different kinds of media. You can find our music on uh, Spotify and, and iTunes and different things like that also. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, we do, a lot of, we do a lot of revivals in the spring and fall. I preach most of them. Uh, I, get to, I get the privilege to sit and listen to uh, you and, and a few other gentlemen preaching that that's uh, always a privilege um, we do a lot of concerts and family camps and, and a few gospel things here and there um, just kind of uh, so how far out do you stay scheduled or can you if someone wanted to if they said well I'd like to get you in six months or in the next six months is that a possibility or do they need to get a hold of you well, well in it, advance? it varies I mean it varies um, right now we're booked about six months in advance okay so there's some, you know, most Sundays book up pretty quick. Sure. Uh, we still have, uh, 
if it's an off night or a special event, uh, we can kind of get those in at a later time. Usually revivals book a year or two in advance. Right. So if you're you know wanting a, a larger thing like in revival time, which is usually the spring and fall, um, it's the the earlier you get uh, uh, in touch, the more likely it is you get the date that you want. Right. Um, I, I'd say to those listening too that that uh, follow Rock Salt Ministries. Um, we always encourage you to bring in a good singing group because uh, our ministry is free. You can use that money you would use for us to bring in uh, someone else to sing. And we always love working with the Dave Melton family singers. So uh, contact them. We're booked into 2027. So you can, if you've got us booked way out there, you can look and say, all right, Dave, I want you in three years with Tom uh, or with Greg and Lori, they'd love to have uh, the Meltons with them as well. So uh, do that. Uh, I, I always say I, I know I'm going to have a good revival when I've got the, the Dave Melton family singers. And so I hope you think about that. I, very quickly, we just got a couple of minutes left. Let me ask you, with all your traveling, all your years in ministry, uh, this is a question I like to ask when I have a minute, and I've just got a minute or two. What do you see as the greatest challenge going forward from today for uh, the Lord's church in America, the Lord's church, uh, individual Christians and or the ministry located or traveling. The biggest uh, challenge for the church in the, in the, in the upcoming Going future. forward, yeah. What do you think? Um, oh, I, I see just from being at a lot of smaller churches and larger churches, but uh, there is just a a, a uh, lack of young preachers out there right now. Um, I yes, mean, uh, the You really can't blame the Bible colleges for not putting preachers out when the churches aren't sending them young men who want to preach. Absolutely. And so, uh, you know, I know that uh, um, I'm personal friends with uh, Terry Carter and with, uh, with Carrie Allen. And Carrie was telling me, he says, right now the church, the school is all set up, well financed, ready to go. We just can't find young men who want to preach to come to school. He says, now we got a lot of older gentlemen, older meaning uh, career gentlemen who want to biovo- do biovocational right. preaching, which they, they preach and then work. And, and a lot of young men want to do that also. And frankly, with all the churches, uh, so many churches being smaller these days, and inflation being higher, you almost have to sure to do some sort of that, or do multiple churches. But uh, yeah. there's several, yeah. But the they're uh, young young men. I mean, the whole world is having the same problem, and it's something that our society has kind of created. I we think. absolutely have. Um, yeah. You know that McDonald's can't find young people that want to work, and then when they do find people that work, they can't find people to show up for work. Mm-hmm. When they when they do hire them, you know, uh, um, so it's a it it's the same thing with the church. They we need young men and women, but young men to preach and young women who will uh, who uh, will either be a, a partner with their husbands to preach or do the things at the church that the that the that the women. Uh, um, uh, excel at, I guess you would say, but we need all those those young people, and if we don't, there's a big gap in there, and a lot of times it's because we 
there's kind of a gap in our public school system has been telling them for the last 20, 30 years that, you know, there is no God. And so, right. And so some of our Christian kids are starting to believe him. And so it's, it's a real, it's a real trial there. So I just pray, pray for preachers. John I, preachers. I think you hit that the nail on the head there. And we need preachers to start uh, preacher boy clubs in their church mm-hmm. and training them. And we need elders, elders who actually eld, who actually go out there and make pastoral calls because what an elder is is a pastor. Uh, they need to take the young people with them and say, this is what the church is. And I, I would encourage our listeners to go back. And again, I'm going to get a list of all my podcast numbers so I can tell you which number it is. But it's an early one with a fellow by the name of John Boutte down in Texas. And he talks about being raised in church where the elders took him out calling and they'd say, boys, this is the church. And I think that's great. Well, I want to thank you, Dave, for taking time with me today and and sharing with us. And uh, if this has been an encouragement to our listeners, we hope and pray that you will share this podcast with your friends and coworkers in Christ. Hit the like button if you're on one of the uh, podcast engines that you can like it and share it. Please do that. Put it on your social media. Share it on your social media any way you can to get the word out about the RSM podcast and particularly the Frontline Servants Program. And until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye and may God pour down his blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.